tell them to watch the master at work. Amen. Watch the one, the great physician at work. Well, that's wonderful. Praise God. God is so good. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. You get in there, you brag on what God's going to do. He will certainly do it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, that is so good. So we thank you, Miss Karen. Thank you for being obedient and stepping out in faith and doing the things of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you. This is the day you've made for us to rejoice and be glad in. And we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to rejoice around um, uh, Karen's sister's healing. We thank you, Lord, that she is healed by your stripes. She can partake of that covenant of healing by faith. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity and the anointing to minister health, healing, and wholeness to every soul. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're still in our book, Angels to Help You. And we're talking about categories of angels. Um, this time we'll talk about the archangels and uh, that um, uh, order of uh, rank and, and uh, dominion and so forth and so on. You know, you know God is the God of order. So he was the one that developed the order of angels. And when we say order, we mean that there are uh, lines of authority. Uh, the author likens it to military lines of authority. Uh, you see lines of authority in all uh, protective services and all, um, uh, even you see some in some um, aspects of Christian denominations. The Salvation Army, we know, uh, had order and rank similar to the military order and rank. They still do. And so we have to understand that uh, there is order as far as God's system is concerned. You know, you can't uh, be a body or be a kingdom or anything like that without some type of structure, some discipline and some order. When Satan rebelled against God, that broke the authority in his existence but it did not break the rank and order that was already established by god whatever god does it lasts forever and so you'll see the order and authority not only in the angels of god but also in the fallen angels it's just a little perverted with them but it's still there it still remains there and that's a structure that they have to work in and so uh, if you understand the order, I think, of the angels of God, you can understand why there is order uh, with the devil's kingdom of angels as well. And so we'll talk some about that. We'll get started with the highest order, and that is of the archangels. Last time we talked about some of the lower uh, uh, categories of angels working our way up to the uh, archangels and on page 26 we start here with the first one that that um, brother Summerall talks about and actually uh, the one angel that we know is an archangel as mentioned in the bible and that is michael it says another angelic rank the archangel is held by only one angel in the biblical record 
So we understand that there are other archangels by summary of facts in the Bible. But mentioned as an archangel in the Bible, the only one that's mentioned in that term is Michael. It says the word arch means chief. So uh, uh, it means the highest of all of the angels. So this angel is the most prominent of all the holy angels. The archangel is highest in rank as far as God's ranking of them is concerned. So he would have the highest, say whatever, you know, if these were uh, similar to an army or navy or one of the marines or one of the orders we have here, whatever their highest is, that's what Michael is in the rank of archangels. His name is interpreted who is like God. And so we talk about when you look in the, the Bible and see how angels interact with God, uh, it talks about them being around the throne of God and always being in the presence of God. And so if you're in the presence of someone, you can take on their attributes, right? So the fact that he is in the presence of God continually, who is like God. And so he is able to imitate God uh, completely in in the way that he goes about doing his routine or his business. And that's what God wants. He wants us to be like him. Uh, God is not a diversity God. You got me? He didn't make up that word. God created us to be whom he wanted us to be. Being a holy God, he doesn't have to accept a lot of nonsense out of us because he created us to be a certain way for a certain purpose from the foundation of the earth. And that was no mistake. He never made a mistake in his creation of anybody. He created us unique not diverse, unique. So we all have unique characteristics. We all have um, certain attributes. He put them there to give him glory uh, for his purpose. And I think the best way to find out about yourself is to ask God about you. We tend to ask him about everybody but us. Hmm? What's wrong with sister so-and-so? What's up, problem? How come she don't like me? We ask about everybody but ourselves. And so the best thing to do is to talk to God about you. Why did he create you? What what gifts do you have? What abilities do you have? What are you, what's your function down here? A lot of people go through life just doing what they want to do and never think that there might have been something else they were supposed to do while they were here. Yeah, that was a real shock to me when I got saved and I realized the first thing that dawned on me, there's I said, I was aware there's a whole nother world out here I was never aware of. All the years that I'd lived on the earth, there was this whole different dimension and it was real. There was life there, there was God there, and I never knew it existed. And so once you are introduced to something that was there and is so big and you weren't aware of it, curiosity would tell you, you've got to know more about that. So then that should be your life quest. See, salvation isn't something that you can just get and put it in your pocket and walk off with it. 
and go on and live your normal life. You're born again into a new life. Not the old life and go to church, but a new life. There's a new life for you in God. The reason we don't experience the new is we're so busy trying to make excuses for the old. I said making excuses for it. I didn't say enjoying it. I didn't say living it. But most of us walk around with these dead corpses of what we used to be and supposed to reckon it dead and walk into the new life. We're constantly trying, well, I, you know, I can't obey God because I didn't have this when I was growing up. And I can't obey God because I had that. And it's hard for me because I see we're always making excuses for that old dead thing that we're supposed to have left at the foot of the cross and walk off into the newness of life. In God, there's no fear. There's no shame. There's no excuses. There's no wrong. There's only righteousness, peace, and joy in the life of the Holy Spirit. But if we insist upon living that old thing, he'll let us do it. You can waste a lot of time trying to figure out why you're like you are. And that old dead thing, you need to let that thing die and go and walk into the new life. Now you'll have challenges. The devil, first thing to do, a devil ask you who you think you are. And try to remind you of that old dead thing that you put off. Mm-hmm. Most people live their lives trying to make up for something they felt they never got in the old dead life. Walking the new. You have an out for that thing. You don't have to, you don't even have to reckon it. Just reckon yourself alive to God. First thing the devil will do, try to bring up your sins again. Tell you who you think you are. Remember what you did? Remember, no, devil, my sins are forgiven. Have you not noticed? You see this blood covering over me? That means my sins are forgiven. I'm not that person anymore. Well, I have to live out your, your past, you know, where you, you know, I, I remember once thinking twice, God had wanted me to share something. I remember thinking twice about it, and the Lord said, why are you doing that? This, it, it was embarrassing to who I used to be, that old dead thing down there. It embarrassed her. I said, but I'm not her anymore, so I don't have to be embarrassed to share this. Maybe it will set somebody free if I get honest. Huh? We have so many dishonest people running around the church. Huh? I remember you couldn't wait to get around Christians and find out, you know, when they got saved and share their testimony. It's just always encouraging. Now people don't even do that anymore. Huh? And I'm talking about your testimony about your sin you did this morning. Ain't nobody sinned since they was before they were saved. See what I'm saying? That's how we hurt each other and don't help each other. We don't know how to grow as a body. Intertwined with one another. Loving each other and encouraging one another. Huh? Taking those stumbling blocks from in front of each other's places. Huh? Instead of trying to figure out what the other person did wrong and ooh, again, again. Pointing the finger. 
So we need to reckon ourselves dead to that thing and alive to righteousness in God. Amen. Just reckon you. Just count it all death to that. And we don't have to live like that anymore. Amen. We're new creatures. No blame, no shame. No fear. Just living boldly. The thing the devil hates the most is people living boldly for God. After they've lived all kind of crazy lives. Amen. He hates that. The first thing he'll say, who do you think you are? Jumping up there laying hands on somebody and trying to call yourself a servant. Of you. You, you, what kind of pastor you think you're going to be? They hide and watch, devil. Hide and watch. Huh? You just mad because you could have been here and you ain't doing it. You could have been assisting me at the altar and you decide you was going to pull rank on God. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Can we keep the chatter down back there, please? Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, uh, the archangel's name is Michael. We said that he's the one, he's the chief. He's not the only chief, though, is what it looks like. You know, we can deduce that from other scriptures in the Bible. And his, his name is a question, is who is like God? Probably many parents, both Jews and Gentiles, who call their boys Michael, have no idea what the name conveys. Amen? But you know a name is a name. I just believe that. I believe that, that when people respond to their names, there's an essence there of the meaning of it coming to life in them. Amen? Uh, you know, you can believe that if you want to, but if you call me Barb, I answer. You got me? And, and so there's an identity there. And I think if your name has some kind of significant meaning like that, when you respond to that, there is an essence of that name that comes to life in you. Amen? It says it, it's unfortunate that they don't understand what the name conveys. It would be great if the minds and hearts of people were directed to God each time they heard the name. Often in scripture, as we will see, men who received angelic visitations wanted to worship the creation rather than the creator now this isn't so hard to understand because if an angel stands in the presence of god he carries the presence of god with him that's what distinguishes him like an angel is not going to come in your midst and not have something of his spirit emanating from him we all have that everybody who has a spirit has that what what that spirit carries emanating from them when they come around so angels carry holiness and when holiness meets sin or unholiness or carnality carnality has to bow in the presence of holiness or wouldn't be holy there would be no power there so there's there's really a conflict in power there where one meets the other and the greater one has dominion or dominance over the lesser one. And so that is why people will try tend to want to worship angels. They hold them in high regard and high esteem and don't really out of ignorance know how to respond to them. And so that's what people, what that's because that's so common in the Bible. You see it everywhere from the beginning, like in the uh, first encounters men had with angels. Uh, in the book of Exodus, we know 
a warring angel met Joshua and he, he called him a man. And so, but he was arrayed in, in uh, warrior clothing. And so he thought at first to uh, worship him, but instead he asked him a question where he was from. So then there's this discernment that comes when you meet these beings. But he called him a man, but didn't act like he was a man. He gave him some respect. He asked him who he was for because he was arrayed in warrior's clothing. He said, are you, he said, are you for them, us, or for our enemies? So he knew that this man had some assignment. He had some authority. He had some rank. There was a fear there that came upon him. And so we know that they will engender a type of awe or some kind of notice out of human beings. You just don't not notice them. There's something about them that you notice that sets them apart. Many times when angels come to help us, we don't interfere. You know, the one thing I know about uh, human beings is when somebody comes to help you, say help you repair a car, fix a tire, get a jump or something, we want to put in our two cents. Even if you don't know nothing about jumping a battery. I think we ought to put it on when angels show up. Nobody interferes, do they? It's, it's let them do what they do. I'm so scared. I don't know. So there is a response, a human response to the spirit that they carry. Holy angels have that awe in their appearance to us. We are struck with a, a, a reverence, a respect. There's something that pulls us away. Now, when, when demonic beings show up, they usually are met with some fear, which is a perversion of the holy awe. And so you can, you, you can understand. Or unless they are subtle and seductive, they're usually met with some type of fear response by human flesh. And so that's, and that goes to your discernment in God. Your spirit is alive because of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, if you go inward, the Holy Spirit will show you the type of being that you're dealing with. But before you have the Holy Spirit, you don't have that ability. That's why many people are seduced. Many people, we say things like you put your guard down. But with a believer, it's never down. The Holy Spirit, if you ignore him the first time, he'll go tap you on the back in the middle of the night and say, listen, I told you, leave him alone. They ain't by you. You got me? And so this is, this is uh, how discernment in human beings operates toward angels. So the believers that saw angels, say in the New Testament, Old Testament, whatever, they were awestruck in the presence of holy angels and they allowed the angels to do whatever it is that they needed to do. If you interrupt an angel, I believe you can be judged for it if you, if you resist in some way. Zechariah, when he met Michael, he would, I mean, uh, Gabriel, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, I'll, I'll just finish that thought. But when uh, Zechariah met Gabriel in the temple and he asked him, Gabriel gave his announcement, which Zechariah should have said, you know, help me understand this God or, you know, whatever. But he questioned him. 
in a way of resisting. See, that's not normal. And he was judged for it. Amen? He was struck dumb until John the Baptist was born. And so there is, it seems, they can, you can draw judgment from them by the way that you respond to them. The Bible tells us to be not forgetful to entertain strangers because thereby some have entertained angels, holy angels, unawares. Amen. And so there, there are different functions that these archangels tend to carry out and they have a power to do certain things. So, all right. So anyway, uh, it says how appropriate it is that the name of Michael, the archangel, invites us to direct our attention to Almighty God. So he comes across like God. And so he directs us, he encourages us to direct our attention to God. The prophet Daniel introduces us to Michael. It seems that he had been praying. God had dispatched an answer by the hand of a messenger who was hindered on his journey until he testified, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So that's in Daniel 10:13. So I'm going to turn there for a minute because there's several angelic encounters here. It appears that fasting helps us to get answers from God because it it increases your spiritual sensitivity. Uh, a visit from God is not payment for you putting the hamburger down. What it does for you, <laughs> Amen. You don't you don't earn these visitations by skipping a meal. What happens when you skip a meal is that your spirit seems to be more prominent more sensitive, able to take over more of your being because you are denying your flesh dominion. So it's, it's, you either feed one or the other. When you starve one, you feed the other one. You know what I mean? You see people going all around in the flesh. I mean, not just eating, but doing other things that they flesh out in and leave the spirit of God. Their spirit man's almost starving. Because they, there's people that do all kinds of things, carnal things on their own. Some people are workaholics. They don't have time for God because they work too much. Some of them are fornicators and adulterers. They don't have time for God because they're chasing somebody. And so in, in different things, eating is the same way. Sometimes you don't have time for God because you're giving yourself over too much <laughs> to the food but i know this much if you really love god you can you can fast you don't have a problem denying yourself you're you know because god helps you with that you're seeking god and whatever it takes to find god is what you do you know now you can't fast and make god show up you don't control that but you do control your spiritual sensitivity now there are other ways to increase your spiritual sensitivity praying in tongues is one way Feeding on the word is another way. All of these things help. You can fast and, and run into the, the dark realm just by denying your flesh. That, that in and of itself does not get the job done. And so uh, here in, in Daniel, what did we say? Daniel ten thirteen. Thank you, Jesus.
verse 1010 says, A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So Daniel, it appears, was slain in the spirit when this angel showed up. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. Now, you notice now when Daniel uh, was given over to the power of the spirit through fasting, that's one of the things that may have made him a little more physically weak. But you notice here, he's not playing games with the angel like people do at the altar. You lay hands on them, they get stiff and don't want to fall. It ain't about that here. He had no choice. He had no choice. So Dan, this angel is responding to a petition that Daniel has sent out. He said, you who are highly esteemed. Now you'll notice angels will say that to people. Why do you think they say that? Hail Mary. You are who are highly favored of God. Daniel, you are highly esteemed by God. Why would they give them that salutation? Well, most people, if something shows up and it knocks you on the floor, you think you might get beat up by that thing. Hello? So you got to know where he comes from. Does he come in peace? And you my friend. He said, don't worry. You're highly esteemed. You're highly favored. Get up off the floor. I know I knocked you down, but I love you. Get up. And he says, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. So he says, pay attention. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. So here you see the angel gives Daniel the, his power back. So when he tells you you're highly esteemed, he has to follow it up with some action. He said, just stand up and, and I want to talk to you. And he said, when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. If anybody ever doubts that God hears your prayer your words have been heard first time you prayed huh now if this if you see this the first thing that comes to my mind I'm thinking I should pray more <laughs> you know what I'm saying for the first time I, I should do this more often God's paying attention to me Don't ever let the devil con you into thinking that God's forgotten you. He's, you know, people give me self-pity things. And, you know, especially when you've been doing what you want to do all your life. You pray one prayer, it don't happen to me. Oh, God, you've forgotten me. Oh, he heard you. But you don't, he's not blessing people for goodies. Come on now. You don't need God to give you stuff. I say this all the time. You don't need him for stuff. And once you get saved, don't think he's not going to give you your stuff. That's the first thing the devil tells you. Oh, Lord, you pray. Oh, you don't know how to pray like a pastor Shirley. She can get her. She can get it like that. But you, you ain't in her league. Guess what? You are if you get her to pray for you and get her to pray with you. 
and you come to church and you stay on the floor, you definitely in her league. And most people figure that out on their own. Uh-huh. You let the do- devil rob you of the basic benefit of being a part of the body of Christ. That's your basic benefit. So he tells him from the first day, you set yourself to humble yourself before God. Now these are are things we need to take note of. Not just asking and wanting stuff, but humbling yourself before God. How did Daniel do that? He came and he prayed three times a day, which was his custom. He didn't let the haters intimidate him and talk him out of it. Hmm? You know, people you get around people, you love them, sometimes family members. They don't like God like you like God. They think you're some kind of fool, fanatic, flunky for them church people. You don't have a mind of your own no more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They steal it from you in a heartbeat. Uh-huh. You know, just be careful what you'll do to stay friends with people who don't walk with God. You don't have any fellowship with them dark people. Oh, I'm witnessing to them. No, you're not. You know how I know? They never change. Just be careful you don't. What he says here. The minute you set your mind to gain understanding, the minute you thought about God, <laughs> God sends the answer out. Did you know that's what repentance is? It's turning your mind toward God and away from nonsense? And to humble yourself before God. Daniel fasted. He prayed three times a day. That was his custom. He never missed a time. And he prayed loud in front of his window. I bet some of you, if you went into your little family circle and told them, God sent me here to pray for y'all. I'm going to pray for everybody here who needs prayer. They would fall out on the floor. Why? Because you've never done it before. I do it all the time. It's not because I'm a minister either. When I was first saved, I did that. Embarrassed my poor husband to death. He knew he was going to embarrass, get embarrassed, so he'd walk away and go in the other room. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a fanatic, don't you? Yeah, I'm crazy too. I've been in a nut house. But God loves me. I got my crazy credentials. I got them all. Got it all covered. Whatever you want to call me, I'm that. Yeah, I'm that too. But I'm going to save that. (laughs) He said, your words were heard and I have come for your words. Angels come for our words. Make sure your words are edifying. It's like I tell people, I don't care what kind of day you had at the end of the night Go to bed with the word of God on your mind, on your lips, in your heart. 
don't go to bed just leaving it blank like the last thing you watched on television or last conversation you had address god god talk to me tonight you know while i'm in a dream talk to me help me to understand you more god i love you jesus i want to know more about you whatever it is but let that be what you what you recline on because mm-hmm. angels come for your words they, they're just waiting for you to to say something that they can respond to he said and i come to response to them but the prince of persia the persian kingdom resisted me 21 days the prince of persia All of those ancient kingdoms, Babylon, Persia, Media Persia, Egypt, all of those were run by demonic angels who had a rank in heaven and they kept that same rank when they fell down to earth. Okay? Now Satan, one of the names for Satan is God of this world. He's God of this world how? He stole it from who was the original God of this world? Adam. Amen. He stole it from him through deception. So now he's God of this world. Jesus is Lord of all. So when you come under the authority of Jesus, you reintroduce yourself in your dominion down here on the earth, but now for the kingdom of God again. And not for the kingdom of darkness. But you can roll either way. That's the problem with us. You have to really walk with God and understand your position here. Understand what you're called to do. Understand what authority you have and over whom and over what. If Jesus is Lord of all and he has given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, then you have authority over the prince of Persia, over the prince of Cleveland, over the princes of the White House, over the king of Jordan, over whoever it is. Amen. Under God's authority. You don't go off selfishly trying to take something over from somebody because you want what they have for yourself that's why i'm not real fond of this wealth transfer nonsense people get told you need money you ask god for it'll come to you anytime you need it takes care of your needs you got me whatever god can trust you with that's what you pretty much you get Parents, when your kids start driving, you don't give them the keys to the car that you drive every day and you paying the note on it. No, you get the clunker out the driveway and you tell them you teach them how to take care of it and that's what they get. You wouldn't dare give them the keys to something they ain't paid for. Well, if you did repent, I don't know. I don't know what people do. I want him to have it best because I didn't have it growing up. Wonder why you didn't have it growing up. You weren't responsible either. God's not going to give you enough of this world to mess you up and get you back over in it. 
I'm going to say it again. He's not going to give you enough of this world's goods to mess you up and lure you back over into it. Parents, you know when your kids want the right thing for the right reason. And you know when they chomping at the bit for something they ain't supposed to have. So you don't let them drink the poison. How much more does God protect us from us? (laughs) Satan likes nothing better than to get somebody who's claimed to be saved back over into his dirt and then expose them publicly. He loves that stuff. God doesn't want you over in there. He said, the prince of Persia resisted me 21 days. The angels do the fighting. You're the one who reaps the benefit of their battles. Amen. So don't worry about how long it takes to get an answer to you. Just know that the answer will come. Uh, some answers come pretty quickly but if you look at the nature of this answer this one's earth shattering this one's changing the course of human history and so the devil knows what answers are minor and what answers are major and major answers you may have to wrestle a bit to get those out of the devil's hand you can tell when you're wrestling because you want to speak negative about something so bad i wonder when it's coming this will never get here god won't do this seems fantastic what you're asking we're not sure what daniel's prayer was but he started to repent And ask God forgiveness for sins of himself, his fathers, all the generations. When you pray a prayer like that, the answer you get will be on that magnitude. The magnitude on which you ask is a magnitude on which God will answer you. You don't get burdens to ask these things. If you don't worry about it, he's not going to tell you. not earth shattering if you wonder. You know what I'm saying? God has to give you the burden to ask for that. And so Daniel was burdened to know some things. They were in captivity. When you're in captivity, you you turn that plate down. When you need something bad enough, you get you get with God. You'll find a way to get to Him. Uh-huh. There are times people people could you could get your answer very quickly if you pressed in. But we'll ask in a super. I think sometimes we don't want to know. We'll ask stuff and we'll just see if God answers real quick. Oh, well, that's good. He didn't tell me nothing I didn't want to care about. We never want to hear any bad news. We always assume it's not going to be pleasant. Hmm? (laughs) We always assume more power on our own part for for doing negative like sometimes we'll ask god well, well how come i have to wait so long for this and then we turn our head back real quick like we don't want to know the answer you know and and hope he doesn't chase us down like it's something we could do to make it different you understand it's something you could do you'd have done it already amen you're not holding anything up unless you're in rank disobedience huh most of our problem is is fear i find fear is a big problem among believers you know we're just scared to step out there 
and see what God will tell you. And oftentimes God will tell you, well, just keep praying. Keep believing me or change your confession. Start confessing that to yourself so you believe me more. And we think he's going to ask us to change, you know, everything in our lives in one day. He knows better than to ask you to do that. He ain't going to do that. He know you ain't going to do it. So it's usually small things. You know, just have to humble yourself and listen to God and, and do what's necessary. He says, uh, uh, so Michael came and, and, and I got the answer. He said, I was held up for 21 days. And he says, he, one of the chief princes, so we now know Michael is one of the chief princes. Got me? Now, prince means ruler to them. So when we talk about the prince of Persia, we're talking about a ruler over that realm under Satan. So Michael being a prince, which means a chief, so so. Michael is the chief of all chief angels under his dominion. Just like Satan is the prince over all the princes of his dominion. But he has lesser princes too. And so they always have lesser beings that take instructions from them and take orders from them that they have to carry out. So this prince of Persia is one of many princes that rule over many regions or many kingdoms in those days. They were split up into kingdoms, so it was easy for the enemy to rule. Kingdoms will have certain uh, ways of ruling, things that they're after, things that they're assigned to do, uh, things that they uh, uh, tempt people with. Like Many of these kingdoms had what they call gods, uh, which are demon entities that they worshipped. And you always see these gods either asking for... Uh, human sacrifices, some kind of bloodshed, because that's what gives them power in the realm of the spirit. Just like the blood of Jesus gives power in the realm of the spirit, the blood of bulls and goats gave a certain amount of power in the realm of the spirit. And so we notice, too, that in the Old Testament, when the, the sacrifices ceased in the temple of God, hell broke out everywhere else, because the devil never stops his killing. And his bloodshed and all that kind of stuff. But God's people sometimes would. You know, they they get to where, you know, all the priests scatter. And they go get day jobs. Because nobody's bringing sacrifices anymore. Nobody's worshiping. Nobody's obeying God. When you saw the sacrifices in God's temple stop, then his people shortly thereafter went in some kind of captivity. Because that constant bloodshed represented worship and sacrifice to their God when that stopped. Just like when prayer stops, when people stop coming to church, they stop giving, they stop, you know, they drift off. Every believer who's born again is a priest. So we have priests running around here who drifted off of their job, not praying, they're not worshiping. They're just running around trying to pretend like they're saved. No more priesthood. Why should prayer be a novelty in a church? If we're a priesthood, we should be there for prayer. So religion keeps the priesthood from functioning, just like it did back in Jesus' time. He came through obeying God, 
as as a man called of God, as a minister, and they didn't know how to handle him. John the Baptist was such an oddity, he didn't even leave around people anymore. In order to stay holy, he had to live out in the desert, in the wilderness. That's how rare it was to see somebody come through there operating in the power of God. And so here Jesus shows up, and he's a functioning priest. And the religious people look at him and wonder where he get that power from. You know why they wonder? Because they chased it out of the temple years ago. And then he shows back up in power. Where would that come from? Who gave you a thought? Who told you you could do this? So then, then um, uh, um, who are we talking about? Michael. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. So you see this message has a great deal of weight to it, which is one of the reasons it was fought over to that extent. Because, and we know that message got to be part of scripture after Daniel transcribed it and made sure it was where it was supposed to get. So, the prophet Daniel introduces us to Michael. It seems he had been praying and God had dispatched an answer by the hand of a messenger. It was not another archangel, but a messenger who was hindered on his journey until he testified, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So if Michael is one of the chief princes, we know there are others. Michael had to fight for the free passage of God's word, just like we do. You've got to fight what's in your mind to let the word of God pass freely into your life. Or your mind will stop it. That's your biggest warfare. It might be appropriate to give Michael the title of general. For each time we see him, it is in connection with some type of spiritual struggle. So, we believe Michael is the archangel over angels of war. So, whenever you saw angels of war show up, they were there at his command. When you saw the, remember Elijah and the servant, and they were surrounded by the Syrian army, and Elijah could see, but the servant couldn't. And so, Elijah told God to open the servant's eyes, and there the Syrian armies down in the valley and the little prophet and his servant is being confronted by them but they didn't know behind them the hills were filled with chariots and horses and angelic hosts to fight them and overcome them never be afraid when the devil and his people confront you just ask God to open your eyes You may not see it visually, but you'll see it. You'll get a peace on the inside of you where you cannot be shaken. Amen? You just won't be able to be shaken. He says, it might be appropriate to give Michael the title of general for each time we see him. It is in the connection with some type of spiritual struggle. In his role as fighter, Michael has our particular responsibility to Israel. In Daniel 10.21 and 1221 he is said to be the prince of that nation now that word prince really means chief 
Okay, it doesn't mean like a prince. But if you think of what the word prince really means, it means one of the highest authority. It's not that he was assigned to the nation of Israel as a prince, but he's assigned to a battalion of angels or a group of angels that help over that nation. So you can declare uh, Jesus Lord of your life and he will have a prince over your life to regulate your life. There's a ruler over your life. We call them guardian angels. But they are assigned to help your life. And if they need help, they always call for more help. Because if you notice, the angels of God never lose, never can't do their assignment. Why? The Bible says the word never returns void. So if angels carry out the word of God, then they don't ever return empty-handed when they're assigned something to do. He says, I believe the hand of, of Michael is defending Israel now. Well, we know that God has a covenant with Israel. He's got promises still to that nation. As you know, that little nation has fought wars with its Arab neighbors since gaining statehood in 1948. Arabs have often expressed their determination to drive Israel into the sea, but they've never been able to accomplish that feat. Could it be because Michael is on the side of Israel influencing strategy, etc., etc.? And he says, yes, it could well be the case. In addition to the Old Testament references, we also find Michael mentioned in the New Testament. In the book of Jude, we see that uh, Michael and his archangels had a battle with Lucifer over the body of Moses. With the Lord's help, Michael won. That wasn't the only conflict between Michael and Lucifer in the book of Revelation. We see that war in heaven. In Revelation chapter 12, it talks about the, the woman and the uh, the woman who was big with child and the devil chased her and so forth and so on. The earth helped her. And the old devil, Satan, which deceived the whole world, was cast into the earth and his angels cast with him. So that's how Satan got to be on the earth. But when he deceived Adam, he became God of this world. So he was already cast down to earth. But when Adam came along, he was able to usurp spiritual authority from him. It says, here we see Michael serving as commanding officer of a large group of angels. Evidently, Michael is the chief warrior of God. Gabriel is the next one. The other, only other angel whose name is given in scripture besides Lucifer is Gabriel. The, Gabriel means mighty one of God. He lives up to his name, for he does indeed do mighty things. Rather than being a fighter like Michael, now you can see the Lord is a man of war. Michael's name, who is like the Lord, number one, God is a God of war. Man, if you if your if your head homeboy's name was Michael, if I was Lucifer, I'd let him alone. You got me. He appears several times in the book of Daniel to give important revelations concerning future events, especially relating to God's kingdom. After one of Daniel's visions, for example, the prophet wondered about its meaning. Then suddenly there stood before me as the appearance of a man, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So angels help us to understand things that come from God. 
Amen. They help our understanding. Gabriel did. We have something similar in the next chapter. Following Daniel's prayer of confession of sin on behalf of his people, Gabriel again came to him, being caused to fly swiftly. Thus, in the Old Testament, we see Gabriel's ministry in connection with the kingdom. In the New Testament, he's concerned with the king. In the first instance, Zacharias was waiting before the Lord in the temple. Suddenly, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Gabriel identified himself to Zacharias. I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I am sent to speak to you and to show you these glad tidings. So he first identifies himself where he came from, what his purpose is, and what kind of news he has. Many times people would see angels and they automatically think judgment. They think they've done something wrong. So it's important for angels to let them know, I'm not coming to judge you. I'm not coming to hurt you. I've got good news for you, glad tidings. That good news concerned the coming birth of John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of the Lord Jesus, the ruler of, of the world. It was this same Gabriel who God sent one day to the city of Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So we see Gabriel having a full message, but he had to give it to several different people. And make sure those people understood it. So not only do angels help us, give us messages, but they make sure we understand them when it's necessary for them to do that. Since the scripture is closed, we see that there's perhaps a different function for angels since now we have the Holy Spirit in us to give us understanding and to teach us and to help us. But that does not eliminate the ministry of angels. They just have a different function because of what we carry or don't carry. It says, what a great announcement Gabriel had to give to that young lady. You shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father, David. Gabriel, then, is the one who bore the message of God concerning the coming kingdom and the king. God gave this specific angel that tremendous privilege and responsibility. And the last one is Lucifer. We learn the original name of the angel Satan in Isaiah 14.12. That verse not only names him, but also tells us something vital about him. He said, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Yeah. How you are cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. Once, Lucifer was up there with God, but not any longer. Why? He was cast down because of his pride and ambition. For you have said in your heart, and it's very important what you say in your heart, isn't it? Because you can run around and pretend you don't have anything wicked in there. But God will judge you on your heart condition. So it doesn't have to just be your words. It's what's in your heart. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation 
in the sides of the north I will ascend upon the heights of the clouds I will be like the most high well now wait a minute I think that job's already been taken isn't that, isn't that Michael's name who is like God huh well that, that position's already see he's a thief always stealing something from somebody because he's too lazy to get his own stuff that's what thieves do God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. We don't have to borrow nobody else's calling. We don't have to borrow nobody's title. We don't have to borrow nobody's goods, their husband, their wife, their kids, their house, their job, their cars, their nothing. Get your own. Because of his own ego and because of his promotion of himself, Lucifer lost, lost his lofty position in heaven. He fell from the Father's divine grace. So where does he operate now? Right here on earth? Two different times our Lord described Lucifer as being the prince of this world. This earth on which we live is under his authority except for God's kingdom, which the saints bring. If we'll get to getting and bring it. When the angels Michael and Gabriel have only single names, as far as we know, Lucifer has many why? Because he answers to all of them. Why? Because he's a thief. Huh? Right. You call God of this word, that's me. You call dragon, that's me. Satan, that's me. He answers to all of them, and that's how he's able to rule so many people because they think they're in touch with God and they're in touch with him. Because he'll answer to all of them. Jesus also called him the evil one. Book of Revelation assigns him a virtual dictionary of names. That old serpent, the great dragon, the destroyer, accuser, deceiver. I often think of Lucifer by another of his names, that of tempter. For it was he who came to tempt Jesus during his stay in the, in the wilderness. So Satan will answer, but when you call Buddha, he said, yeah, that's me. So people think they're worshiping some god named Buddha. Really, Ka'ala, that's me. He steals names and he steals identities. And so don't be surprised that he's got many names because he collects names. And he'll answer to any of them that people will call him. Amen? Praise God. Amen. So why don't we um, praise God. Yeah, we're done. Praise God. Looked at my watch. We need to, can we leave now, Miss Nola? I think we better leave. So we'll do our quiz when we come back. No peeking. I'm going to leave my.